Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day and for this time. We pray now that you will bless our time in your word, that you would reveal to us what we need to hear, and as important, what we need to do in order to walk in the wholeness and healing that you have for us. Have your way right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that I've learned about this emotion is that many people live in denial of its existence in their own lives in part because they have an ideal perception of how it is manifested and if they don't manifest it that way, then it's not present in them. Let me give you an example. Why are you so angry? I'm not angry. Who said I'm angry? If I was angry, I'd be cussing you out right now. I ain't cussing you out, so I'm not angry. Because in their mind, cussing and fussing is a necessary ingredient of anger. When in actuality, anger is much bigger than what we say and what we do, it's really what we internalize. Because it is present within us before it is manifested or articulated by us. Let's give you some common looks at anger at it as it manifests itself. Master control? That's, that's, I don't know if that's the terrible twos or what. That's a, that's a heck of a picture there, right? Uh, how many times do you want to pull out your hair, right? Hopefully you don't act like that on the outside, but it sure is present on the inside. Like, what is it going to take for you to understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? That sister's still mad. She's still mad. <laughs> Regardless of your educational level, socioeconomic status, gender, living choice, lifestyle choice, all of us have to deal with anger at one time or another. Hopefully, people don't take you there often. Hopefully, when you go there, you don't stay there. But the truth of the matter is, anger is something that we have to deal with in our society. And most of us were never taught how to manage our anger or, listen carefully, manage and resolve the causes of our anger. And there are many people who contacted me this week after last week's sermon who said, Pastor, I had no idea my problem was an anger problem because they haven't cussed or fussed about it, right? But it has been a destructive force in their life. It has been destructive within them. It has been destructive to relationships that they want to establish in their lives that are rooted in an unconfessed and an unresolved anger. So today, for a few moments, I want to continue a series of messages we started on last week called How to Deal with Your Own Anger. How to Deal with Your Own Anger. 
And while your anger may not be manifested in the most devastating of ways, somebody in here still needs to recognize that the root cause of your apathy, your paralysis, your inability to move forward in a positive way in life is rooted in the unresolved hurts, fears, and frustrations that you have that if they are allowed to linger, will eventually manifest themselves in anger. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the usher will get one to you. Last week, we started our discussion around several key ideas. First of all, we talked about what anger is. Secondly, we talked about the three primary causes of anger. And then thirdly, we talked about taking responsibility for your anger. When we talk about the causes of anger, anger can be caused by a multiplicity of things because we recognize that anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is not the place that we start. It is the manifestation of the place we are at. And most anger can be attributed to unresolved hurt, fear, or frustration. Unresolved hurt, fear, or frustration. Now, some questions I got on last week was, Pastor, what if it's all three for me, right? Like, I can think of some hurts, I can think of some fears, and I can think of some frustrations. And I will tell you this, depending on the diagnosis, each one will have a separate treatment plan according to Scripture that we'll get to on next week to teach you how to deal with and dismantle and resolve the causes of the anger in your life. But today I want to focus on specifically the negative effects of unresolved anger. The reason I want to do that is because there's still some of you who may be arguing with yourself that you don't have an anger problem. And I submit to you that you may need to look at the outcomes in your life and as you backtrack the outcomes, you might see that those outcomes are rooted in anger in your life. In other words, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and looks like a duck, it's probably what? A duck. And so if you are at a place right now where you are seeing things in your life that look like the results of anger, sound like the results of anger, and smell like the results of anger, then you probably have an anger problem, even though you may not think in your mind you have an anger issue. Here's the first thing I want you to see today. Number one, and really the only thing we'll get to today, you need to recognize the negative effects of unresolved anger and what anger can have on your life. You need to recognize the negative effects unresolved anger can have on your life. I submit to you today, my brothers and sisters, that many of you are living in the effects of an anger that you have not fully recognized and fully grasped. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, Scripture says, New Living Translation, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. God is speaking to the person of Cain. Cain and Abel were two who brought a sacrifice to the Lord. Cain brought his sacrifice, Abel brought his sacrifice. 
God looks at the sacrifice of Cain and says, your sacrifice is unacceptable. Because Cain did not bring God his first. He did not bring God his best. He brought God his leftovers. Abel, the Bible says, brought to God his first fruits. He brought to God the first of his flock. He brought to God the best that he had. And the Bible says Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God. And Cain did what many people do. Instead of looking in the mirror and acknowledging and accepting his fault in bringing God less than his best, he got mad at Abel and he basically said in his spirit, Abel, you made me look bad in front of God. And so when God says to him, you will be accepted if you do what is right, basically God says to Cain, Cain, Abel is not your problem. You are your own problem. And you need to bring me your best instead of getting mad at Abel for bringing me his best because his best didn't make you look bad. You made yourself look bad by bringing me your leftovers. How many times do we blame somebody else for making us look bad? I can remember in school, especially when a test was really hard, and the teacher would say something like this, well, I was going to grade you all on a curve, but Mr. Williams did so well on the test that the curve will be minimal. And you'd be looking at your grade, right? And they'd be mad at Mr. Williams because he did well. Man, my 45 would have been an A. There you go, Mr. Brainiac, right? You got to be studying and all that stuff, right? Trying to get the right answers and everything. When in actuality, it wasn't his fault or her fault that your grade wasn't better. It was your fault. Don't get mad at somebody else because they're doing 100 units an hour and you're doing 50 units an hour and your 50 units an hour look bad. He's talking about, why you got to do so much? Why can't you just back off a little bit? Why you got to take this job so seriously? Like, why you got to work 40 hours a week? Why can't you do like the rest of us and work 20? You know what I mean? Now, here's what's interesting about anger. God says to Cain, he says, listen, he says, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it. Now, when you look at the law of primary reference, this is the same word that was used by God to describe Eve post the curse in her relationship with Adam, her husband. He says several things come about because of the curse. Uh, Adam, you're going to have to make it by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have to work hard. And man, if the ground grows anything, it's not going to grow anything naturally. You're going to have to work hard to do this. I mean, that was like a farmer's worst nightmare, right? And then he says to Eve, there's some repercussions for the curse that you're going to have to bear. You're going to have pain in childbearing. So anybody has pain in childbearing, thank Eve for that, right? He said, you're going to have some pain in childbearing and your desire will be for your husband but he shall rule or subdue you. Now, what's interesting is that word for rule speaks to control. It's not a sexual desire. It's a controlling desire. So what God basically says in his word is that 
the woman on the other side of the curse will seek to control her husband, to maneuver, manipulate her husband. I'm not saying you do that, wives. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. But the scripture then says, but he shall rule over you, which means simply this. There will always be conflict in the home between God's desired order and our sin nature. God uses the same phrase to describe the conflict on the other side of sin entering into the world to talk to Cain about what's going on inside of him and what he needs to get control of. He says, sin is at the door, Cain, and you're going to have to subdue it. Now, the suggestion is, one, we do have the power to subdue it. We can control it. We can say no, and I'll talk more about that on next week. But here's the point. All anger does not need to result in sin, right? Anger by itself is not bad. It's what happens and what doorway is opened by anger that anger can lead to, right? Look at Psalm 4, verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 26. Let's read it together. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So basically, Paul says, along with the psalmist, you can be angry and not sin, but if you let sin linger, if you let sin pull up a chair at your table, if you let sin hang out and hang around, sin will open the door to sin I mean, anger will open the door to sin coming into your life. Now, what's the cost of unresolved anger? Because for some of you, you may not see anger within you. And so I want to help you to understand the cost of unresolved anger with the relationships around you. And what anger can do inside of you. Look at A, unresolved anger will affect your spiritual life and your fellowship with God. Anger will affect your spiritual life and your fellowship with God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, the Living Bible paraphrase says, look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessings. Help each other find God's best best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness take, takes root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual life. That no bitterness takes root among you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, I thought we were talking about anger. That's what bitterness is. Bitterness is unresolved anger that has become a stain on your soul, a cancer to your own spirit. You've heard me say this before. Bitterness is the baby that is given birth to when anger is left unresolved and goes through its full gestation period. Bitterness is uber anger. It's anger on steroids. Because now that anger is no longer 
articulated on the outside, it has damaged who you are on the inside. And listen carefully. Bitterness may not keep you from functioning in your flesh, but it will keep you from functioning at your best. And so for somebody today who is saying, I'm not angry because I don't cuss, I don't fuss, I don't go off, I've just shut down, then I submit to you, you may not be at a place of anger. You may be beyond anger to bitterness. Unresolved anger will hurt your fellowship with God. Look at James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, Always be willing to listen and slow to speak. Do not become angry easily because anger will not help you live the right kind of life God wants. What kind of life does God want for you? Well, it's really present right there in Hebrews chapter 12. God wants you to find his best blessings for your life. He wants you to live a life of fulfillment. He wants you to live a life where your potential is realized. God has tremendous plans for your life. That's what God has for you. So if that is God's ideal, then let me ask you a question. Is your real in alignment with God's ideal? And if it's not, then the question is, why? And that's why some of, the, some of you in here today, the world has not seen the best in you. The world has not seen the best out of you. At best, maybe momentarily, there's a scratching of the surface of your true potential. But the world has not seen the best in you. And it's because of that hurt, that fear, and that frustration that has manifested itself in an anger that's turned inward. (sighs) Whatever people have done to you, the greater crime is what you've done to yourself. Look at Mark 11, verse 25. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you or forgive your sins too. I love what Jesus says. He's like, listen, you can't even account for everybody that's mad at you. Like, you have no way of tracking that. But who do you have a grudge against? And if you're sitting there with a grudge against somebody, you're angry at somebody, you are mad at somebody, you have been hurt by somebody, you have been frustrated by somebody, and you have not resolved it, even though you haven't gone off on the outside, you are still hindering your relationship with God on the inside. And God says, I can't forgive you. Until you let it go. Look at 1 Timothy 2.8. Let's read it together. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. See, this is how we, we, we operate. We operate with the idea if we can go through the motions, we can fake it till we make it. Some of y'all were mad at somebody on the way to church. And you're like, you know what? Whatever. I tell you, I'll call you when I get through at church. And they come in here, I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Waiting to get on that phone call as soon as you get off. 
soon as you get out of church, you're going to be picking up that phone. Now, now, what was you saying before I went into church? Get ready to mess up my praise this morning over you. Look at B. Unresolved anger will affect your relationship with others. I submit to you today, there's somebody in here right now. Your relationships are not right with the people you deal with today because of some unresolved issues from past relationships in your yesterday. Your relationship, somebody in here is not right with somebody of the opposite sex. Somebody is on your job. Listen, every bad job you've been on has not been bad before you got there. You've been fighting with every boss you ever had in your life. Maybe it's some issues you bring into the job that you have not resolved. It ain't something wrong with, I know that's bad grammar, but that's good preaching. It ain't something wrong with every man you ever dealt with in your life. There's not something wrong with every woman you dealt with. You are the common denominator. If every man that you ever dealt with is crazy, if every woman you ever dealt with is crazy and you picked them, then guess who's the common denominator? Genesis 4, 8, look at what happens. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. You may not know where it came from, but this is where we get the phrase, am I my brother's keeper? Because God says, hey, man, where's Abel? And Cain's like, am I my brother's keeper? You killed him. Like, you killed him, right? God says, man, the voice of your brother is crying out from the ground. Listen to me carefully. If my anger is not checked, see, who Cain should have been angry at was himself. But he manifested that anger towards Abel. Look at 1 Timothy 2.8. I'm sorry, Proverbs 29.22. An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kind of sin. And, and you know when that angry person really shows up? On the other side of a few libations. Come on, y'all know I'm telling the truth. That, that's why you already know there's some family members who are coming that are only going to be good for two and a half days. Two and a half days. Two and a half days, some of them one and a half days. You already know, and, and get them out before they can get too many drinks in them because you already know what's going to happen if they get too much in them and them filters go down. You already know what's going to happen. And then if somebody on the other side gets going, then you're going to be refereeing, right? Listen, anger can affect how you deal with the one who hurt you. Anger can affect and keep you from receiving the forgiveness you need from God. Anger can fracture future fellowship and relationships with other people. Look at Proverbs 14, 17. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. 
Proverbs 14, 29. Let's read it together. A wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. How many of you can say amen to that? Right? Man, you get angry, you say stuff, do stuff, make stuff happen that you know is wrong. Psychologists say when you get angry, you are functioning at 50% of your intellectual capacity. Whatever your IQ is, divided by two when you get angry. Now, I believe the IQ test to determine whether or not you can be executed in the state of Texas is 80. I believe the number is 80, which means if you have an IQ of 160, which is a high IQ, and you get angry, you're going to do some stuff at the level of a person who is not competent mentally to be executed in the state of Texas. So whatever intelligence you have is gone when you get angry. You don't make good decisions. You don't make good choices. That's why when you get angry, you need somebody to think for you. Why? Because you don't think about the repercussions of what you're doing. And if you don't leave here with anything else today, brothers and sisters, leave here understanding that if you don't think you're angry, look around you and see if there is evidence of your anger. See, some of you will say, I don't have an anger problem. But that's like me asking you to grade your own test. You will typically never give yourself an F. You will always find a way to give yourself an A. So how do you determine whether or not you have an anger problem? Look around you and see if there's any collateral damage. Ask somebody around you. And if you have an anger problem, they will probably be afraid to even answer the question. Like, I was at church on Sunday. You think I have an anger problem? And their response might be something like this. Uh, no. You don't have an anger problem. Your uncontrolled anger can affect your family. Uncontrolled anger can affect your family. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty nine. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. He shall be the servant of a wiser man. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 25. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. There is a shameful secret in millions of homes in our country. Last year, four million wives were beaten by their husbands. Ten million children were beaten by their parents. And none of these husbands, none of these parents understood how to control and resolve their anger before they went too far. We had a situation here at the church. Somebody say, keep it real, Pastor. We had a situation here at the church. One of the deacons had died. He was a deacon before I came to the church and uh, was one of our senior deacons and was active. I never met his wife. He had gotten remarried, and his wife was a member at another church. Uh, 
I mean, we just know him to be a brother. He'd come to brotherhood. He'd come to deacon's meeting. He really didn't say a whole lot. And so he passed away. So it's time for his funeral. He's one of the deacons. He's one of the leaders in the church. I'm like, man, you know, hey, state funeral, right? And some things struck me, but I was like, maybe it's just me. So the first thing that struck me was when I met the family, I met his wife, met his children, her children, nobody was crying. Grandchildren, nobody. They weren't wiping a tear. It wasn't, no, nothing. So I'm like, man, this is strange. You know, like, somebody would be sad, you know. And really, it, it was kind of a spirit of, it's our obligation to be here. We're going to get through this, and then we're going to go on home, right? But, you know, I know people grieve in different ways, right? So I'm trying to allow for this. I, man, I don't know. So I see a pastor here, a friend of mine. So I say, hey, man, what you doing here? He said, oh, I'm here because his wife is a member of our church. And I said, wow, I didn't know that because I never met his wife. I didn't know who his wife was. And then he said, yeah, man. He said, man, that dude used to whip her all the time. I said, what? No, I'm, I'm telling you, I was standing right here. This is before the funeral. I, I, I said, what? I said, hold on, man. Wait a minute. I, I know I didn't hear you. What did you say? He said, oh, man, he used to whip her all the time, man. She called me complaining all the time. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you say something? Like, I don't roll like that. Now, any, listen, if there's anything I have low tolerance for, it's abuse. I'm physical, emotional, verbal, because I grew up in it. So I, got, I can't even watch it on TV. I get mad. Like, I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't care what it is. It can be make-believe. I don't want to watch it. I can't watch nothing. Burning bed, none of that. I can't watch any of that. I can't do none of that. <laughs> I can't, you know, no, because I'll be cheering at the end. Woman one, I got you. Yeah, go on, do your thing. Burn them up. I'm like, okay, God, I know that's not right. Like, yeah. Have mercy, Lord, forgive me. I'm, I, I'll be like, get the knife, get the knife. Him again, don't do too. Like, oh Lord Jesus, I'm <laughs> Y'all said keep it real. I'm trying to be real. <laughs> Woo, I can't deal with that. I'm telling you. <sighs> so obviously, my whole sermon changed that day. Right? My my whole sermon changed. Whole sermon changed, man. And I because I, I got nothing to say about this brother. Now, all the good stuff I was gonna say, gone. I got nothing to say. So the deacons meeting afterwards, I'm asking the deacons, like, because now I'm like, man, did anybody know and just not tell me? And Deacon Tibbs like, Pastor, I ain't know nothing like that. Nobody, Deacon Green, nobody. Nobody that had been here for years with him, right? Nobody knew anything. And I asked all of them at that meeting, I said, look, please don't ever put me in that position again. Like, if, if you are having a problem in your home, Please let me help you. Like, I, because I understand what it is to grow up in that kind of environment. I understand the damage it can have. And I understand that being in the church and being a Christian does not exempt you from that. Right? I know pastors' wives who have been physically abused, 
including my mother. I know, I know deacons wise. You, you follow what I'm saying? So we're not exempt from it. And, and we cannot come into church and wear our hats and wear our suits and somehow pretend like something is not a reality because our public persona is different from our private life. I'm saying all that for somebody under the sound of my voice. Get the help that you need and we'll help you get the help that you need. We'll help you get the help that you need. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Parents, do not treat your children in such a way as to make them angry. Instead, raise them with Christian discipline and instruction. You've heard me say it before, hurt people hurt people. Abusers typically come out of abusive situations. And so they perpetuate that abuse, and sometimes it goes to one, two, or three generations where you can see abuse in that family. Let's go to the third and final thing. See, unresolved anger will affect your physical well-being. Unresolved anger will affect your physical well-being. Job chapter 21, beginning at verse 23. One dies in his full vigor, being holy at ease and secure, his pails full of milk and the marrow of his bones moist. Another dies in bitterness of soul. Underline that phrase. Bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. Bitterness of soul. An angry soul. That's, that's, I mean, you're talking about unresolved. Bitterness of the soul. Listen, anger can manifest itself in a number of physical maladies. Uh, anger can manifest itself in anxiety, uh, headaches, high blood pressure, ulcer, and other physical maladies. Let, let me give you this. Uh, anger turned inward is depression. Anger turned outward is aggression. Anger turned upward towards God is rebellion and disobedience. Much of how we live is rooted in unresolved anger. And here's how you know it's unresolved. When you start doing the right thing, but you can't keep doing the right thing. Because you've never addressed the root behind the wrong thing. So watch what God says. When you're angry, you lose. Matter of fact, matter of fact, write, write, write this down. I always lose when I lose my temper. I always lose when I lose my temper. We always lose. Family, we always lose when I lose my temper. My old pastor told me, he said, a man can lose any part of his head and live except his head. He can lose any part of his body and live except his head. You lose your head, you got to die. And I remember saying to him, what do you mean, Pastor? He said, keep your head, keep your cool. Because if you lose your head, you got to die. 
When you lose your temper, you can lose your reputation, you can lose the respect of others, you can lose your job, you can lose a sale if you're a salesperson, you can lose the love of someone special, you can lose your health. And remember what I told you, when we get angry, we typically react in one of two ways, like a turtle or like a skunk, like a turtle, we shut down. Person who loves us is trying to get us to talk, we don't want to talk. We don't want it to come out, we just shut down. Or we're like a skunk, we stink up everything. <laughs> Everybody knows we angry. Neighbors know we angry. Family know we angry. Folk on the job know we angry. Here's the last thing. It doesn't matter what you eat when you talk about your health as much as what eats you. Tweet that for me, somebody. Right? Doesn't matter what you eat, it's what eats you that matters the most. Do you have an anger problem? Ask somebody around you if you can't see it. And make sure you don't get angry when they tell you yes. Because some of the people who love you the most are the most afraid of you because they're afraid of what you're going to do and how you're going to react if something doesn't go your way. Everybody goes around tiptoeing around you because they don't want to get you mad. But I'm telling you, anger not only hurts them more than anyone else, it hurts you and keeps you from fulfilling your potential in God. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. I pray now that your word has helped somebody to identify not just the causes, but the consequences of their anger. That somebody can look at their family, can look at their children, their grandchildren, and can see the overarching resulting damage of the unresolved hurts, fears, and frustrations in their life. And I pray now that they would make a decision if not for themselves, for somebody that they love and care about to make a change in their life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so as the praise team comes, um, one of the things that I learned in my life, and I've shared this repeatedly, I'm hoping as in sharing this today to really, for somebody, the timing will be just right. One of the things I discovered with my father was uh, I saw the manifestations of his anger. But I had to literally go back and trace and track the roots of his anger. Right? Um, he was abusive verbally and physically and you know I can remember growing up as a boy when when you get paid every Friday and it'd be about a bottle and a half to two and a half bottles deep into some Johnny Walker red or some Cuddy Sark that stuff was gonna pop off and I had to look back and see where that anger came from 
And I, and I realized that it was rooted in his own unresolved anger, abandonment issues. He was angry with his mother, my grandmother. He was angry with her, uh, angry at his father, who he really never knew. He was angry at his grandfather, who told him he had to plow a mule rather than play baseball. And, and everybody in the neighborhood would talk about how great a baseball player my father was that he should have went pro, and um, I never saw him play baseball, but I saw him play softball, and man, I mean, he could smack a ball. He was left-handed, had a sweet swing, but he, but he had all of this unresolved anger. He deal with, dealt with uh, Jim Crow and racism, you know, uh, you know, his daddy was like light, bright, almost white, good hair, right, so he was teased, and Went to the military, had issues there, joined the New York Police Department, dealt with racism there, right? And in that anger, I saw it manifested with my mother and with me and with my sister. And the last conversation I had with him because I reached out to him, I, our relationship was strained, not by my choice, but by his, because um, there was a lot of pride and he got, he got sick and he didn't want me to see him. Oh, and then there was a time, I guess his new wife didn't want me to see him. So I'm not sure, I think he had a stroke or something, he couldn't take care of himself. And you know, we didn't even find out he had passed until like a year later. <clears throat> and one of the things that helped me to deal with him was my sorrow, my pity for him. Because, man, it's a bad thing when you live with, with an unresolved issue. And you live with it for years. And, and I'm not sure he didn't live with it all his life. And, and I don't think he ever understood the full effect of that unresolved anger, right? Because uh, when we get angry, when we're hurt, fear, frustration, you know what it becomes about? It just becomes about us. It's about me, right? It's about you. You make it about you. It's not about anybody else. You don't, you don't, you don't even care about anybody else. I'm hurt. And God forbid if you got two people who have been hurt trying to talk to each other, right? Because all they're doing is trying to spend time being heard by the other person. That been, I've been hurt. Well, I've been hurt too. Well, you didn't say anything about your hurt. Well, you said something about your hurt, so I'm going to say something about my hurt. Well, my hurt is bigger than your. No, my hurt is bigger than your hurt. Let me show you my scar. No, I'm going to show you my scar, right? It becomes all about us. And he never fully understood, and this is what I, what I want somebody to leave here understanding, the full, far-reaching effects of your unresolved issues. My children, if my father walked in a room, they would never know him. Other than family resemblance, they, they wouldn't even, because they, they, they never met him. So all the stuff that he taught me, fishing and hunting and all the stories he told, like my children never experienced that, right? They missed that. 
And that gap in their life has affected them even to this day, right? When, when you have a chain and you have a link in the chain that's missing or is dysfunctional, it has an effect down the road. Are you hearing me? Like you, you don't even realize your anger because you think you keep it to yourself. It, it's like a couple that argues and they told me they argue, but they well, we don't argue in front of the children. Like you in the same house. You don't think they ever hear that? Right? I mean, they, they, they know it. They hear it. They feel it. And, and, and you have to understand, if you don't deal with it for no other reason, deal with it for your children and your children's children's sake. Right? Don't be selfish in your anger and then be selfish in seeking a remedy for your anger. Because it's going to affect you, the next generation, and the next generation. I'll talk about this next week, but one of the keys for me for freedom was the path of forgiveness. Like... Because one of the things God had to show me was that, man, my father did the best that he could. He did better than those who were before him did for him. He did better for me. He didn't do as well or as much as I would have wanted. But since when did I become the judge and jury? Because <laughs> while I'm mad at him that he didn't do all I wanted him to do, guess what I ended up with? Children who felt the same way about me. <laughs> It was like God said, I got a sense of humor. Look at him. Right? And all I'm saying to you is that, you know, your healing is in your hands. And next week we're going to talk about the path to healing. How to get to a place where you can address each of those major issues and find help from the word of God to find your own healing and wholeness. Everybody who can, everybody who will, if you stand on your feet wherever you are, Time is moving quickly. If you're here right now, I want to extend to you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. There are men and women who are standing all over um, who would love to minister to you right now. If you need Jesus in your life, you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to come. If you know the Lord and you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, man, we're just in the process. You, you already know we're not perfect, right? You can tell by my story. We, we're not perfect. We're we just working on it, man. We're trying to get there and be the best that we can be for God. And we welcome you to join us on the journey. As the song of invitation is sung, don't wait, tarry, dialogue, or debate with the devil. Say yes today. Walk into your own freedom. Walk into your own healing. Make that step today. I say yes.
before we cover this couple in prayer, I want to ask those of you who feel the need for prayer after this message. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, and let me tell you the reason I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar is because I don't need anybody self-righteously staying in the seat looking, talking about, I wonder what their anger issue is. Because at the end of the day, listen, it's not my father, it's not my mother, it's me, right? That's, that's who stands in the need of prayer. But here's what I want you to do. Join hands with somebody. We're going to pray for this couple, but then I want us to pray for each other. Um, because whether we manifest that anger or articulate it or we simply internalize it, uh, it can be the most devastating and debilitating thing that we don't deal with in our lives. And I want to encourage somebody today to make that step, to make that choice. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, our Father, first of all, we thank you for being all that you are. Father, we thank you for these people that have come. Um, we ask that you would bless them with everything that they need, dear God. Whatever it is they're looking for, we ask that you would let them find it. Um, create a covering around them. Let them find a family that they can grow up in to be more and more like you. Now, Father, for those of us in the room who are dealing with our own fair share of anger issues, whether it be large in our own eyes, small in our own eyes, but definitely, as it is off in relation to you, Father, we ask for your help. God, there is nothing that you can't do. With that being said, Lord, there is no issue that we will ever bring before you that you cannot handle. Father, I ask right now that you would touch our hearts, you would touch our minds, you would touch our souls, God. Let us be more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, when we deal with what others have done to us. Father, sometimes we have hurts that we are carrying. We have frustrations based on something that happened in our childhood. And just the same, Lord, we lash out at people when things happen to us that we feel like have touched that issue that we're already carrying. Father, right now, we're asking that you would help us to respond in a way that honors you. Help us to carry ourselves in a way that blesses those around us. Continue to keep us and love us and work on us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. Amen. Good hope it's time for the offering. Amen. Amen. Um, as we prepare to worship the Lord in giving, um, remember giving is an act of worship. I've asked you to be prayerful about your giving, um, that you would allow the Lord to lead you recognizing that your giving is a reflection of your love for God. Um, giving is not just uh, the attempt to pay a bill or meet an obligation. It is literally an act of worship. Um, it is as much, if not more, an act of worship than singing and preaching and praying because we literally give back to God a portion of what he has given to us. And so we we honor and thank God for that privilege. Um, so let's prepare to worship the Lord in giving. Um, you can give in a multiplicity of ways. Uh, for those of you who are visiting with us, those of you who are streaming, uh, you can give via text giving. You can give uh, ACH, uh, 
cash a check, you can give online, you can give through the app, you can also go to the Good Hope website. Um, so whether you download the I Am Hope app or you give online, um, all of those are acceptable ways to worship the Lord in giving. Amen. Uh, Brother and Sister Gentry, where are you? Brother Willie Gentry, you, you in church today? Yeah, man, great to see you, Brother Gentry. Great to see you. Great to see you. It's Hilda and the wife. Man, wonderful. Great to see you all here. Brother Gentry has been uh, under the weather and has been battling uh, illness, but, man, we're so glad to see your face in the place. I saw Deacon Ron Richards earlier as well, and uh, he's gone, right? Well, make sure y'all tell him I called, called him out even though he wasn't here. Amen. I saw him. You know, it's one of those deals. I'm, man, you know, as you get older, you got to do stuff as soon as you remember it. You know what I mean? Because you'd be like, oh, yeah, let me, I'll I get back to that. And, and so y'all going to laugh because I saw him at the 8 o'clock service. And I said, man, I've got to call Brother Rich's name at the 10 o'clock service. And he already gone. <laughs> Amen. Um, but, yeah, so you better do it as soon as you think of it, boy. Let's worship the Lord and give him. donations of deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrushes, and baby wipes for homeless teens and young adults. Donations will be accepted each Sunday through November 9th after the 8 and 10 a.m. services in the Center for Hope. All donations will go to the Covenant House. Let's help make their 8th grade project a success. We are gearing up for the 2020 season of Upward Basketball and Cheerleading for boys and girls ages 4 to 12. To the beach, y'all. Let's go. All around the world. Y'all know this is so, so dead. To the beach, y'all. The cost is $45 per child, and financial assistance is available. For more information and to get your child involved, Check out the Good Hope app or visit goodhope.org today. Good Hope, the Hope of Families in partnership with the Houston Food Bank has now opened our weekly food pantry. The mission of our food pantry is to show the love of God by serving families in need with emergency food assistance on a weekly basis for better lives. The food pantry provides opportunities for our church to make contact and connect with our community sharing and showing the love of God through serving others. This is also in fulfillment of our mission and vision for our church. The food pantry will operate each Wednesday from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. 
However, anyone who walks up needing hope during the week will be served. Volunteers, they make it happen. Please come and join our team. Setup is each Tuesday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. So the Hope Family Food Pantry is up and running. God bless you. Bye-bye. Our new I Am Hope mobile app is live and ready to be downloaded. The app is super easy to use, but we want to quickly cover a couple of cool features. When the app first loads, you'll see a page listing all of our featured events. Scroll and click through them to stay informed of what's going on. Feel free to share these events via your social media platforms, text message, or email. At the bottom of the screen, you'll see a row of icons. Click on Sunday. This will give you everything you need for Sunday morning service live stream, sermon notes, Bible, and our social media platforms. You can even fill out the sermon notes via the app. Let's continue to take hope to the world. Don't forget, for additional events and announcements, download our new interactive I Am Hope mobile app. CDs of all sermons are located in the Center for Hope bookstore for a donation of $5. That about does it for this week's Good News Weekly announcements. Have a blessed and prosperous week, and remember, good hope, loving God, loving all people, and changing the world. All right, our ministry moment today is highlighting our youth ministry. Um, As you know, our youth are given the opportunity to worship the Lord in an age-appropriate, generationally-appropriate way. Um, The challenge is not for them to have to worship God in our cultural context, but to define what that worship is for themselves. This is nothing new in the body of Christ. If you go back, some of you are old enough to remember. I remember back in the early 70s when the song, Oh Happy Day, became a popular song on pop radio, and pastors didn't want to sing Oh Happy Day in church. Matter of fact, they didn't want to sing anything about the Hawkins family. And, and if you sang Hawkins family music, man, it was, you know, it was woo taboo, right? You're going to hell. That's back when you didn't have drums in church. You remember that? And then, you know, we, we got over that. And then when Kirk Franklin came along, it was like, oh my God. You know, and, and he was talking about stomp. And all that, man, folks were like, oh my God. Ooh, the devil's coming into the church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then it was Christian rap. It was like, oh, that rap music. They talking about Jesus. Doesn't matter. It's rap music. Ooh, bad. Right? Every generation has to contextualize the worship of God for themselves. And, and the key is not the style, it's the content. As long as it's Jesus and it's honoring Jesus and it's moving people to come to know Jesus and grow in Jesus, that's the litmus test as to whether or not it's gospel music. Amen? And so I want us to encourage these young people as they find their way for their generation to worship and love God. Minister Justin Pouncil is the director of our youth ministry, and he's going to come and share now. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I promise I won't keep you long. Um, so this morning, not this morning, this summer, I had the opportunity to take 65 kids ages 11, yes, 11 to 18 to Kids Across America in Missouri, and this is like some of them, but I also took five adults. Kids Across America is the largest urban Christian sports camp in America, 
And what pastor is talking about is geared towards urban kids, African-American kids. Kids Across America sees on average probably nine to 10,000 kids from around the United States of America. Um, and we had the opportunity to take 65 from Houston. Um, some from Third Ward, some from you know Missouri City. But to represent Houston um, and these kids get to see who Jesus is and they get to they get to walk in that in a in a spirit filled way, it's amazing. Um, and I'm gonna I'm let one of them speak about that um, on their experience. Okay, so KAA, oh, my name is Michaela, and I went to KAA. It was a very good experience. Um, we had fun. Um, the counselors were very respectful. They were generous when, when teaching us about God. And yeah. So, <laughs> so here's the opposite side of camp. Come here, Ebony. Um, all of these, these, this is their first time going. No, you have the kids' side of camp, but then you also have the adult side of camp. And we have more fun than the kids. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, I worked there for three years, and I, I had a 70-year-old woman do zip line. They have fun. We have fun at camp. Yeah, she was 70, and she did zip line. But um, come here, Ebony. She's a little nervous, too. But I want her to give a perspective of what she learned because you come back different when you are when you are faced with what God is trying to get you to do. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ebony. And um, the interesting thing about being a Kaleo, which is a volunteer, was that we also got to interact with the kids, but we also had our own schedules where we were doing Bible study and zip lining and rock climbing and also being able to participate in um, seminars and stuff like that. So it was a good time. And so last but not least, I know we talked about anger. We talked about anger today. And so Lemmy, come here. She actually won the highest award that you can get at camp, which is the I'm Third Award. Oh, she has it. And so the I'm Third Award basically means I put God first, other second, and myself third, which that is a difficult thing to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but it's just a testament to what she is doing because she was doing it before I got here. When I met her, she was like, I want to put God first, other second, and myself third. And so when she got there, she was in the cabin just, hey, what can I do for you? How can I help? How can I serve you? And so that is probably the biggest thing. The, fun the funny thing is when they called her name, I was like, hold on, that's Lemmy. Hold on. Didn't nobody else win the award that week? She was the only one to won that award, right? No, her and another girl. Nobody else. And so that's, that was just big, man, to, to go to camp, take 60, 65 kids to camp from, from, from Houston, and they experienced God in a way they never had before. So I thank you um, for all who donated. I thank you guys for all of that. And we are looking forward to taking two or three busloads of kids this year. Thank y'all. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for our... Our, our young people, amen. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see them grow up. And 
I'm looking at them, man. Some of them I remember before they even thought of. And they're standing up here now with lip gloss on and nail polish. I like, Jesus. Lord Jesus. Man, y'all getting old. I'm telling you. I ain't claiming none of that. Come on, let's thank God for our youth ministry again. Yeah. In the day and time that we live, it's important for us to realize the youth are not our church of tomorrow. They're really our church today. And we have to facilitate. That's one of the reasons we're doing our next generation leader training. And you'll hear more about that coming up um, as we look to be very intentional in involving millennials and Generation Z and those who will follow um, to make sure that we uh, remain a multi-generational church. Um, you know, I, I, I like to think of our church like, like family. You know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, we've done some stuff, man, that has just eroded family life. You know, like one of the simple things that's eroded family life is everybody has their own TV. You know what I mean? Like when I was growing up, you're going to watch whatever the oldest person in the room was going to watch. And everybody sat there. If you didn't want to watch that, you wasn't watching TV. You know what I mean? You sit there. My grandmother wanted to watch All in the Family. Everybody going to watch All in the Family. You going to watch the Jeffersons? Everybody going to watch the Jeffersons, right? Um, but, but there was a sense of community around that. Um, and there were some other lessons I learned, like how to accept no. You know, when they said no. You, 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 got, you got that early. Like, I want to watch. No, we're going to watch. Okay, so you better learn how to live with that disappointment. <laughs> you know, young people now are like, I've been so disappointed. I don't, don't know if I can make it. Like, <laughs> we live with daily disappointment. <laughs> you got no's all the time, you know? Um, so uh, we, we really want to help our young people be the best that they can possibly be. All right? Um, Reverend Bell, if we forget anything, we good? Okay. Uh, what else? JP's got it? Come on. All right. So quick reminder, uh, the donations for the Helping the Homeless Project that the uh, eighth grade girls are doing. Um, we ask that you will continue to give. They are set up in the Center for Hope. They've been asking about it for like the last month, so you should know what I'm talking about. Midweek Bible study. This week we will only have Wednesday Bible study. We will not have, uh, we have the, the noon Wednesday. We will not have Wednesday night in lieu of the uh, revival. Discovery Seminar is today. 101, 201, 301, 401. Come on out if you have already registered. If not, you still have time to do so. Um, we're remembering the families of Onita Mateer. Um, her brother, Reverend Archie Bailey, I'm sorry, Sister M uh, Matias' brother, um, and also the Archie Bailey family, and Sister Magdalene Branch's sister passed um, recently this week. Um, just ask that we uh, keep our families in prayer that, that need that strength. Amen? Amen. If all hearts and minds are clear, let us stand. Oh, I apologize. Sit back down. <laughs> All right, all first, second, and third time guests, would you please stand now? This is your time. 
Sorry about that. First, second, third time guest gonna stand up. Stand up, stand to your feet. Hey, how y'all doing? We knew you were coming today. So what we did is we put something together just for you. So what you're gonna do is go ahead and grab your belongings. You're gonna follow the people that have the signs that say guest relations. We just wanna show you in a tangible way that we love you. We're glad that you came to Good Hope today. We got everybody. Amen, amen. Uh, Good Hope, let's thank God for our guests. Go ahead and follow them. Go ahead and follow them. There you go. There you go. I was looking because some people just sit there and they know they're guests. And they just be like, I'm not going to say nothing. We know you. I don't recognize you. We know you visiting. I see something over there. I ain't going to say nothing, though. I ain't going to call y'all out. Yeah, keep, keep grinning. I'm looking at you. All right. Now, family, go ahead and stand. Let us prepare to go down from this place. All right, let us go to God. Dear God, our Father, we thank you once again for you being you. Dear God, we thank you for all that our eyes have seen and all that our ears have heard. Father, we ask you to continue to work on us in our own area of anger. Help us to be more and more what you would have us to be. Father, we ask that we would leave this place, go forth into this world in our daily lives, and be a bright, shining example of all that you are to us. Let us be able to show somebody else the way to you by the way that we live, the way that we speak, and the way that we think. Please continue to keep us, God. Grow us as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Show somebody some love before you leave the sanctuary.